Welcome to our ancient future story, Navigating Scripture Through the Eyes of Family, where I share with you biblical stories as a family member we share a story around the dinner table. As children of God, we are part of God's family, and His family story has a lot of history. Each week, we will take one story and talk about it, the cultural, historical, geographical, and sociological impacts. We will be looking at these stories from the perspective of our ancestors through the lens of ancient times in hopes of learning more about our family. This is our ancient future story. Welcome back to our ancient future story. I'm Vic, and I am so excited to share with you one of my favorite things to study. Today, we are talking about covenants, specifically the Abrahamic covenant that God establishes with Abram. A covenant is like a contract between two parties. Today, in 2021, a contract is made by signing an agreement and possibly a handshake. But back in Abram's time, covenants were made by sacrificing an animal. This was a sacred act and used for only really important matters, because something had to die for this contract to be sealed. Today we are going to find out what that important matter was for Abram. So grab a cup of coffee or something to drink, find a comfortable place to sit, and get ready to hear the story of God's covenant with Abram. When we left off last week, Abram and Sarai were on their journey of following the Lord. They had settled in and had been living in the Negev, the desert region on the way to Egypt. Several years have passed now, when one day, out of the blue, Yahweh reaches out to Abram again. This time, Yahweh says to Abram, Fear not, Abram. I am your shield. Your reward will be very great. But Abram is distraught. He still has no children, and he is getting things in order to give his eldest servant, Eleazar, all of his possessions. But God says to Abram, This man will not be your heir, but your very own son shall be your heir. Then God led Abram outside and said, Look at the stars. Historical fun fact. To get this full picture of what Abram would have seen when looking at the sky, we have to imagine what the sky must have looked like without any modern interference. So take a moment and close your eyes and try to picture a starry night sky. What it would have looked like without any street lights, no flashlights, no buildings, no cell phones. How many stars would have been visible? Billions? Trillions? Gazillions? God said to Abram, Count them. If you are able to number them, so shall your offspring be. And Abram believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. Then the Lord said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to possess. But Abram was still a little distraught, asking, 
but how will I know that I will possess it? God responds by setting up a covenant oath. He asks Abram to gather a three-year-old heifer, three-year-old female goat, three-year-old ram, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. Abram cut them in half, except for the birds, and laid them out with the lifeblood flowing down the middle. As the sun began to set, Abram fell into a deep sleep. Then the Lord came to him in a vision, saying, Know for certain that your offspring will be sojourners in the land that is not theirs, and will be servants there, and they will be afflicted for four hundred years. But I will bring judgment on the nation that they serve, and afterward they shall come out with a great possession." And they shall come back here in the fourth generation, for iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. When the sun had fully set and the earth was dark, a smoking firepot and a flaming torch passed between the split pieces of the animal carcasses. On that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, To your offspring I will give this land, from the river of Egypt to the great river, the river Euphrates. And that is where our story today ends. God establishing a covenant with Abram. Such a simple contract, but this contract will quickly be broken and in need of redemption, as we will find out next time when we dive into the story of Abram and Hagar. So let's dig into our story a little bit. While they were living in the Negev, God comes to Abram again and promised him he would be a great nation, but Abram had many doubts. This is many years after the initial call to follow Yahweh from Haran to Canaan. Yahweh had promised to be Abram's personal God, to protect him and make him wealthy and have many descendants. But here Abram was, many years older, and still no son, and no land. Abram had gained some decent wealth at this point, but what was it worth if he couldn't leave it to his very own son? So we see Abram begin to plea with God, O Lord God, what will you give me, for I continue childless, and the heir of my house is Eleazar of Damascus. And Abram said, Behold, you have given me no offspring, and a member of my household will be my heir. Abram was frustrated. He had trusted this Yahweh that he would provide and protect him. Yet Abram wasn't seeing any results. Abram is feeling like, I have done my part. Now come through for me and hold up your end of the bargain. He's thinking, if I were to die right now, who would get all of my wealth, my possessions? Who would carry on my family name? All I have is my servant Eleazar of Damascus. Now you may be asking, why is Abram thinking about this? In the ancient Near East, the tradition, and therefore the expectation, was to leave all the inheritance of the father to the eldest son. This inheritance would include land, livestock, male and female servants, standing in society, and the responsibility of caring for their mother and sisters. Essentially, the eldest son would become the patriarch of the house and the carrier of the family name. Where there was not a son born to the father, 
if, for instance, he had all daughters or if his wife was barren, the father would choose his closest family member, like a brother or a male cousin, and leave all the inheritance to them. However, in cases like Abram's, where his wife was barren and he had left his family and had no social or political ties to them, the closest family he had was his most trusted servant. So, understandably, Abram is frustrated. He was promised an heir, yet one had not come. He is getting more and more anxious about the future. After all, he is getting older. Abram is beginning to wonder, Should I keep trusting this Yahweh? Remember, Yahweh was a, quote, new God at this point. So, any reasonable person during this time would have understood if Abram stopped trusting him and went back to his family and their gods. But then the word of the Lord came to him and said, This man, Eleazar, will not be your heir, but a son who is your own flesh and blood will be your heir. He took him outside and said, Look up at the sky and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, So shall your offspring be. God does not condemn Abram for his anxiety of the future by telling him that he should have had more faith. Instead, God gives Abram what he needs. He brings him outside to look at the sky. Now, in our 21st century cities, a clear night sky has only a handful of stars. This was not the case where Abram was in the desert of Canaan. No streetlights, no flashlights, no cell phones, no buildings or electricity to block out the stars. So when the sun goes down, it's dark. Pitch black dark. Cannot see the hand in front of your face kind of dark. But the moon and the stars would shine bright. And Abram would have seen hundreds of thousands of stars in the night sky. The closest we could get to this picture today would be if we went out on a country farm or even to the desert, away from all civilization, and looked up at the night sky. It was in this environment that God asked Abram to count the stars, and Abram believed Yahweh. Then Yahweh reminds Abram who he is. I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to take possession of it. God is reminding Abram that not only will his descendants be as numerous as the stars in the sky, but they will dwell in this land, the very land that Abram is standing on right now during this conversation, while be- will belong to his descendants. Then Abram asked, How will I know that I will gain possession of it? Since he still has anxiety that Yahweh will come through for him. So the Lord said to him, Bring me a heifer, a goat, a ram, each three years old, along with a dove and a young pigeon. Abram brought all of these things to him, cut them in two, and arranged the halves on opposite sides of each other. The birds, however, he did not cut in half. Then birds of prey came down on the carcasses, but Abram drove them away as the sun was setting. Abram fell into a deep sleep, and a thick 
and dreadful darkness came over him. Then the Lord said to him, Know for certain that for four hundred years your descendants will be strangers in a country not their own, and that they will be enslaved and mistreated there. But I will punish the nation they serve as slaves, and afterward they will come out with a great possession. You, however, will go to your ancestors in peace and be buried at a good old age. In the fourth generation, your descendants will come back here, for the sin of the Amorites has not yet reached its full measure. When the sun had set and darkness had fallen, a smoking firepot and a blazing torch appeared and passed between the pieces. On that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram and said, To your descendants I give this land, from the wadi of Egypt to the great river, the river Euphrates. This practice may seem extreme to us today. You may be thinking, why is Abram cutting up animals? And why is there smoking fire pot and a blazing torch moving between dead carcasses? What does this mean? And these are valid questions. And this encounter with Yahweh sets the stage for the rest of the Bible and for our relationship with God today. This practice was called to cut a covenant, and it is literally to make a legally binding deal between two parties by cutting open the animals and walking through the blood. They are sealing a contract. Today, our legal practice is to have two parties agree on terms and conditions of a contract, then sign a document including all the facets of that agreement. In doing so, both parties are agreeing to keep their end of the contract. In Abram's day, this ritual was their contracts. By cutting open the animals and walking down the middle through the blood was to say, I promise to keep my side of the agreement. For if I do not, may I become like these animals, cut into and my blood poured out. This is a sacred act. A person did not cut a covenant unless they were 100% sure they could uphold their end of the deal. Because if the covenant was broken for any reason, blood was spilled. Period. There was no backing out of a covenant once it was made. Therefore, the decision to enter into a covenant with someone was not taken lightly. It is interesting, though, what animals were used here in this covenant with Abram. A heifer, a female cow or bull, a goat, a ram, a.k.a. an adult lamb, a dove, and a pigeon. It is interesting because throughout the Bible, these are the only acceptable animals for sacrifices before the Lord. These are the only animals that Abram's descendants will use whenever they participate in worship with Yahweh. So here we have God cutting a covenant with Abram promising that his descendants will truly possess the land of Canaan. God said, Know for certain that for 400 years your descendants will be strangers in a country not their own, and that they will be enslaved and mistreated there. But I will punish the nation that serve as slaves, and afterward they will come out with a great possession. You, Abram, however, will go to your ancestors in peace, and be buried at a good old age. 
in the fourth generation, your descendants will come back here for the sins of the Amorites has not yet reached its full measure. Okay, so let's go through a couple of terms of this covenant agreement. These are the terms God is promising and agreeing to keep. There are six. Here we go. Number one, 400 years, Abram's descendants will be strangers in a country not their own. They will be slaves and mistreated there. This sounds a lot like their time in Egypt. Number two, I will punish the nation they serve as slaves, and afterward they will come out with a great possession. Sounds a lot like the plagues of Egypt and the Exodus. Number three, you, Abram, will go to your ancestors in peace and be buried at a good old age. Abram lives to see his children, Ishmael and Isaac, get married, and he dies peacefully in the land of Canaan. Four. In the fourth generation, your descendants will come back here to this promised land. Ephraim and Manasseh, Abram's great-great-grandchildren, leave Egypt to possess the promised land. Five. The sin of the Amorites have not reached its full measure. The Amorites were the descendants of Ammon, the son of Lot, by his youngest daughter. And lastly, number six, to your Abram descendants, I give this land from the river of Egypt, a.k.a. the Wadi of Egypt in the Sinai Peninsula, just south of Beersheba, which is Israel's southernmost city, to the great river, the river Euphrates, which is just north of Dan, Israel's northernmost city. So that was God's side of the agreement. As for Abram's side of the agreement, Genesis 15.6 says, And Abram believed the Lord, and it was credited to him as righteousness. All Abram had to do to keep his side of the agreement was to believe Yahweh. That's it. God took all the responsibility of making the promises happen. Abram just had to believe. So Abram fell into a deep sleep and saw a smoking fiery pot and a blazing torch. If this had been any other covenant transaction, Abram would have walked through the lifeblood alongside Yahweh. Because it was customary for both parties to walk down the middle of the animals together. But that is not what happened. Instead, Yahweh walked through. Some scholars think it was Jesus and the Holy Spirit who were being represented by the smoking fiery pot and the blazing torch. But essentially, in doing this, God is saying, If your descendants from you and Sarai do not possess the land of Canaan, I will die to fulfill the broken covenant. And also, if you stop believing me, even for a second, I will die to fulfill the broken covenant. Yahweh is taking it upon himself to fulfill both sides of the covenant. 
He is walking through the blood of every possible animal used for sacrifice and promising to be split in two and his blood be poured out if the covenant is broken. But then our story stops. Kind of abruptly. And we get this side story of Hagar, Sarai's Egyptian servant. But then the covenant story picks up again in chapter 17. So next time, we will dive into the story of Hagar and see why her story fits between these two covenant chapters. But before we go, I want to close our time together by reading the scripture from which our story comes from today in Genesis chapter 15, 1 through 18, in hopes that after hearing all of the history, perhaps this story will be brought into a new light for us. Let's read. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Fear not, Abram, I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. But Abram said, O Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue childless. The heir of my house is Eleazar of Damascus. And Abram said, Behold, you have given me no offspring, and a member of my household will be my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. This man shall not be your heir, but your own son shall be your heir. And he brought him outside and said, Look toward heaven and number the stars, if you are able to number them. Then he said to him, So shall your offspring be. And he believed the Lord, and it counted to him as righteousness. And he said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to possess. But he said, O Lord God, how am I to know that I shall possess it? He said to him, Bring me a heifer three years old, a female goat three years old, a ram three years old, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. And he brought him all of these things cut them in half, and laid each half over against the other. But he did not cut the birds in half. And when the birds of prey came down on the carcasses, Abram drove them away. As the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell over Abram, and behold, dreadful and great darkness fell upon him. Then the Lord said to Abram, Know for certain that your offspring will be sojourners in the land that is not theirs, and will be servants there, and they will be afflicted for four hundred years. But I will bring judgment on the nation that they serve, and afterward they shall come out with a great possession. As for you, you shall go to your fathers in peace, and you shall be buried in a good old age, and they shall come back here in the fourth generation, for the iniquities of the Amorites is not yet complete. When the sun had gone down, and it was dark, Behold, a smoking fiery pot and a flaming torch passes between these pieces. On that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, To your offspring I give this land, from the river of Egypt to the great river, the river Euphrates. Genesis 15, 1-18 Thank you for listening to today's episode of our Ancient Future Story. I hope that you really enjoyed it. This episode was written and produced by Vic Harmon, executive produced by Amanda Gillum, 
music is Embarking on an Adventure by Evan McDonald. Be sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Our Ancient Future Story. See you next time.